everybody. Welcome back. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Paul Anderson's here. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nate. And I'm Nate Johnstone. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. which is a pretty awesome topic. It's a huge topic. Uh, we're not covering it exhaustively in four weeks, believe it or not. But I did want to bring up a couple books. Um, for those of you who like resources and who want to look more into this kind of stuff, I encourage that. And I wanted to offer you a couple of cool resources here. Today, we're going to be talking about the armor of God again and going through each piece and looking it up. Nate, you even have a t-shirt that, that looks like warfare. It does kind of. It is a, it's Van Gogh's Starry Night, except with stormtroopers on it. Mm. So it's a his, history lover mixed with a super nerd. Okay. Me. And this is a perfect shirt for me. Okay. But it's warfare. That's the bad guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, I have a couple of resources I wanted to mention. One of them is the book Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets has um, written several books on prayer. And this one, Intercessory Prayer, is really good. It's probably the best, most comprehensive one I've read on the concept of intercessory prayer on a whole and that side of spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. the like intercessory prayer side of spiritual warfare. And a, a caveat about me, I there is no teacher in the world that I agree with 100%, including myself, because mm. I change my mind mm-hmm. from time to time. And so when I say I like this book, I, it doesn't mean everything this person has ever said, I think is 100% gospel. Okay, that's not true for anybody because I'm highly skeptical and <laughs> have issues with with certain things people say, and that's okay. And so, just just FYI for you, I I have learned the value of, as my mom used to say growing up, you chew the fruit and you spit the pits, and that's how you go through it. Otherwise, you never get fruit. If you like fruit, you need to learn how to chew it and enjoy it, and still spit out the pits. And everybody's got a few pits in their life and in their teaching, based on their experience, their filters or their hang- hangups. I don't know if Dutch Sheets has a lot of pits or not because I actually haven't heard a lot of what he's uh, preached outside of this topic, but. This one is awesome. I highly recommend it. It's older now, so you ought to be able to find a good cheap copy of it. He has um, some follow-ups, Watchman Prayer, and a couple others uh, that are kind of along the same vein. Um, Another one, older book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. And this just got a new printing recently. Derek Prince has passed away onto his reward now. But uh, I read this when I was a teenager, and I reread it recently. And man, this thing holds up. It's really good. Larry had a lot of good things to say about Derek Prince. and about what he wrote and what he preached. Yeah. Derek Prince. Larry Christensen, I should say. Had a lot of of good stuff. And obviously Larry had a lot of good stuff. (laughs) And from very different worlds as far as the Christian scope goes. That's right. And so I like it when I see the kids getting along. They loved each other. (laughs) No no accusing happening there. And then for those of you who do like something a little more uh, on the scholarly side, or if you're if you find yourself equating more with the mystics and you like some a little more esoteric or a little more if you liked Saint Teresa and Bernard of Clairvaux and some of those folks then you would really like Watchman Nee. Uh, Watchman Nee was a Chinese theologian, spent a lot of his life in prison, um, but from the communists, and wrote some absolutely for a guy in China without what we would consider a proper education, who spent most of his time in prison. The guy pretty darn bright. So it makes me think that it's revelation from the Holy Spirit. Because he writes some stuff in his works that it's like, oh yeah, that was a Thomas Aquinas. He had never read Thomas Aquinas. He didn't know anything about that. And as, he's got a lot of great stuff in here about spiritual warfare, but he, t- he he starts even further back and talks about what is spirit? What is soul? What is body? Mm-hmm. He goes back and talks about what are those things? Um, I find it really, really helpful. And so I can't recommend 
this enough. Watchmen Knee. And again, because this is older and mostly public domain stuff, you can get these real cheap. What's the name? Watchmen Knee. So uh, I, I it, heard the name Watchmen Knee, but what's uh, the well, name of the, the book? I have compilation books here oh, that have oh, a bunch gotcha. of stuff. So one is called The Riches of Watchmen Knee. Okay. It was like five bucks and it's got a whole bunch of his stuff put together. The other one is The Spiritual Man, which is one of his compendiums. Yeah. Um, sit, walk, stand is, is in there. Really, really good stuff. Watch me. Chinese Christians often, a lot of countries, they often take a Christian name when they become a Christian. I don't remember what his birth name was, but he chose the name Watchman, like mm. a watcher of the wall who stands, Neat. which is a very much a spiritual warfare intercessory prayer name. So those are some great books. If you, if you would like more or want some future podcasts on specific topics or us to go deeper in something we've talked about, please let us know on the, on the website. There's information about how to email us and let us know because we'd love to hear from you. So let's get back at... The armor of God. We talked about the need to put it on because we're in war every day and you don't want to go into a war without your armor on. Why don't we go through Ephesians 6? Okay. It starts with the belt of truth. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. That in Greek is methodia, the methods of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're getting to the armor, folks. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Okay, now we're getting to the armor. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. What are you going to say about the belt of truth? Well, we're not talking about a leather belt that we wear around our slacks these days. The, the belt back then would have been something to gird your loins. Okay. So we're, the belt covered up the soft bits, folks, <laughs> the parts you really don't want to get, uh, get in the way of a blade. And so the belt was really, really important. The belt shored up your biggest weakness, I guess you could say. And so it's not a little thing. It's a fairly big thing and it goes on first and it's your under armor. I guess you want to say, but it also protects your ability to produce offspring. <laughs> and anybody who's accidentally ran into something knows you are pretty incapacitated if, if you're not uh, wearing protection down there. And so it's a big deal. It's a, it's a real big deal in warfare or in wrestling. <laughs> Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. um, and so this is, this is not a little thing. And so the very first thing, the thing that covers up your most, your biggest vulnerability is truth. And I, I think that's really significant. Absolutely. I it think is. understanding the truth. And we, we've said it every week, I think about who God is and about who we are in particular, understanding that truth is the first thing we need to put on and it protects our biggest vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And if we're not protecting, if, if, if our truth is opened up to, oh, maybe God is a jerk after all, or maybe he doesn't actually care about us. Maybe God is so big picture that he doesn't care about us individuals really at all. He cared about the whole world being saved, but he doesn't really care about me. If we let our truth slip or like Eve did in the garden, let our truth slip, um, we're in big trouble. And uh, oftentimes the belt, it depends on the kind of armor you were wearing. Um, in Roman cases, this was true. In some other cases, Spartan armor. Um, you had to put on the belt first and you attached the other pieces of armor to it, mm -hmm. at least in part. Mm -hmm. And I think that that metaphor works here too, because all the rest of this hinges on the truth of who God is. So if we're putting on a belt of truth, if that armor is not put on, it sounds like we're subject to lies. Right. And lies are 
putting us in the enemy's camp, and eventually under his authority. Mm -hmm. Because he only operates with lies. There is no truth in them. Right. He is not only a liar, but he's the father of lies. So he lives with the darkness. He lives with lies. And the moment we compromise our armor of truth and we move from the truth to a place of lies, we fall into the enemy's influence. And that's dangerous. That is mm -hmm. dangerous. If we start thinking demonic thoughts satanic thoughts, then we give him room in our life. Right. We give him a foothold. And if we don't take that captive, I think eventually we go, we slide all the way down the slope from, from believing some lies to believing a lot of lies to telling lies mm -hmm. to deceiving other people. Yes. Um, and how horrible would that be? You know, and this is a slow process. And again, often. a lot of it is in the, a lot of this is in the mind. Almost yes. all of this is in the mind. Yeah, that's 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 where the fight is, and it can be very subtle and slow. Why did that happen? I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect two of my kids to get sick, and one uh, serious. What is going on? And we look at ourselves, and then we look at God, and something is entertained about the character of God that's faulty, and we find ourselves believing a lie. Why could he do this? What What's wrong with me? Or... What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? And so we're at first we may just be raising questions, but those questions for Eve turned into bold statements from the enemy, which took her all the way through. Mm -hmm. And and we're not talking here about blind truth or about just believing dogma or anything like that. I mean, I'm constantly surprised by how good God really is. I already knew God was good. I knew the truth of that, but God expands that truth. Mm -hmm. continually. Mm -hmm. So the truth is getting bigger. And so we're not saying just blindly believe dogma. Here are the four things true about God. Believe this, nothing else. That's not what we're saying at all. But we are saying you do need to be grounded in the truth. And that truth is grounded in the word of God. Yes. Not grounded in the truth of what pastor whoever says. Well, if what pastor whoever says is in the Bible and is accurate and being applied right, then sure. <laughs> but otherwise, it's just what a guy said. Yes. And like you, I think you just said, we're not talking about taking a book of doctrine and subscribing to certain right. tenets, but we're talking about truth related to who we are. Yep. Like, I am a winner. I'm not a loser. I am not a victim. I'm a victor. Once I start thinking like a victim, I will fall into traps and start believing lies about me, lies about my future, lies about my identity, lies about my relationships with other people, and lies overcome the truth that I'd once held. And then I start tampering with the truth about who God is at the same time. Right. Because if my view of myself is faulty, it will also, uh, it'll impinge on seeing God for who he is as well. It's dangerous. It is, absolutely. And, and, so it's about, and the difficulty here, again, we're talking about looking at things through spiritualized versus naturalized. Mm -hmm. And the armor of God is about seeing things spiritually. When we look at things in the natural, they might look really bad. And I might not look like a victor. I might look like a victim. I might look like a loser. But that's not who I actually am. 
That's not my actual identity. I am a winner who just lost. Yes. I am the victor who has lost several battles in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm still the victor because that's what the word of God says about me. And that is more true than my circumstance. Gotcha. My circumstance is temporary. The word of God is eternal. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of priority and prioritization and us only being able to only being able to see time as it unfolds progressively from day to day. God, who sees time in a very different way, says, no, 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 you are a victor. I've already made you that way. And we have to do that by faith. And that's so as part of speaking the truth is speaking the truth from heaven's point of view and not just our point of view, because sometimes our point of view is skewed and it's definitely warped by our own selfishness and our own, you know, predicaments. Good, Nate. We're there. Let's go on to the next one. We dealt with the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What are we talking about there? Well, the breastplate is the biggest piece of armor. It goes around kind of to the back of the shoulder, across the whole chest, usually ends a little bit under the armpits, and then covers your whole abdomen. Ooh, pretty important. Yeah. You got a heart there, you got Bigger than a bulletproof vest, bigger than a bulletproof vest, but sort of like that. Goes just a little bit around the edges. So it it covers the very vulnerable soft middle of all your internal organs, which Mm. you need most of those as it turns out. Yeah. Weirdly enough, in the way humans are designed compared to some other creatures, our ribs cover our heart and lungs and a little bit of our liver, but a lot of the rest is completely unprotected. It's kind of odd. And so you need to have armor in to protect that. And even it's pretty easy to get a sword between two ribs and kill somebody. There's a specific Roman word for to stick your sword between two ribs and kill somebody. I forget mm. what it is. They have a lot of specific words for killing because they were really, really sick people. And so the, the breastplate of, of righteousness, it, the breastplate is huge. It's extremely important extremely important. You've convinced me. When we talk about righteousness, we're not talking about trying to do good. Yes. We're talking about laying claim to who I am because of what Jesus has done, who is trading my sin for the righteousness of Christ so that in him, it's the opposite of what the law says. The law says do. The gospel says done. It is finished. Jesus won righteousness for us. So I trade my rag for his righteousness and I have a standing with God. That makes me a child, a son, a daughter, and I come boldly to the throne of grace to a holy God bearing the righteousness of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I I just want to say hallelujah to that because it is totally the work of Christ on my behalf. And I wear this breastplate of the righteousness of Christ. Amen. (laughs) Preach Preach it. Because I got this wrong when I was young. Mm. And I actually heard a guy preach on it wrong, which is probably why I got it wrong. And what he said was, this is your breastplate of righteousness. So you need to be in right standing before God. In other words, you need to be holy. Mm. And if you're not, there's holes in your armor. Ouch. You can get shot and, and stabbed and arrows get in and you're in trouble if, you, if you're if you living in any way other than a purely holy way. And I was like, oh, okay. Whoa, that'll make you nervous. Oh, man. And nervous in the service. I, I think that was a mistake and not heresy. It is. I mean, that's a heretical teaching because that's not true. But I don't think he did it on purpose. I think it, yeah. I think he just his, had a bad night. He, actually, no, I think it was he had a bad point of view. 
Okay. He was one of those really, really, really legalistic. Kind try of try types. a little harder. And he was out there trying to get people to come up front for an altar call Ooh. and a youth thing. Ooh. And so I think it was, there was some manipulation in there as well. I'm sure he's totally repented and everything's great now. But the point is, this is not your righteousness. You are not putting on your righteousness. Your righteousness is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> the most righteous one in the world. Paul's the most righteous one in this room, I have no doubt. But even his righteousness is not going to stop an arrow or a sword or anything else. I'll call it filthy rags. Filthy rags. Yeah. I mean, my righteousness couldn't stop a paper bullet. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, you guys. This is putting on the righteousness of Christ, which is impenetrable. Hallelujah. Impenetrable. Okay. I'm looking at the clock and we, we want to cover these. And so mm-hmm. we've got a few minutes here. And as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What's going on there? Yeah. What do you think? I love peace. I could preach on peace for hours, of course. Yeah. And it's the gospel of peace. It's the good news of peace. So our traveling shoes. Mm-hmm. We are people of peace. We we Which is weird in your analogy of warfare. This is Paul doing a warfare analogy, right? Yes. But as if, and he just said for five verses, this is not against flesh and blood, people. Seriously, seriously, seriously. It's spiritual, but still I think he's reminding us here in the middle of peace. <laughs> because it's not that we don't fight human beings, but we pray against them. So we're not going to physically defeat them with swords, but we're going to spiritually defeat them with our prayers. Like, no, it's the absolute opposite of that. We're going to love them into the kingdom. Yes. We're going at them not with violence, not with warfare, not with hatred, but with peace. Yes. And there are traveling shoes. Yeah. The readiness of the gospel, like being, I think there's, um, some like urgency here. Like we're supposed to be ready to go, ready to move wherever the gospel calls us to move with that message of peace. And it is comes out of enmity with God. We are we are against him, but then when he corrals us, when he brings us through his son into uh, into the family, then we become bearers of the message of peace. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Prince of Peace, he he brings us. We're, we're not we're no longer enemies of God. We're in the family. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Yes. To bring gospel. I love it. Okay. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, Nate. Mm-hmm. The shield of faith with which, with which you extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So uh, the thing about a shield is it is not just a defensive weapon. We think of a shield as a defensive weapon, and it certainly is that. But notice you're actively extinguishing flaming arrows with this shield in Paul's metaphor here. So as you see them come in, you move your oh. shield. It's on your arm. It's attached to your forearm. If you're right-handed, it's attached to your left forearm and it is part of you. Your shield becomes a part of your body. And the shields back then, we're talking about real large, huge, more like Spartan shields than like Viking shields were pretty big, but these are even bigger. And they're typically um, rectangles. You know a lot about these weapons. I I was an ancient studies major, but more than that, I'm a nerd. And so I I do like studying. I'm impressed. I have a number of swords that I can bring next time. Um, And so the shield of faith is something that you are watching. And when you see an attack coming in, you You move your shield to block that attack. Hmm. So as the enemy is coming against you in whatever way, uh, all the kids in the house are sick, you know, whatever way is coming against you now, you need to turn your faith towards the attack. Mm-hmm. You do not run from the attack. There is no armor on your back in Paul's analogy here. Yeah. You don't turn or you're dead. Mm. You turn the shield towards the fight. You enter the conflict. You go towards what's coming against you and you deal with that issue. You pray 
away that away, you take every thought captive. Yeah. If the temptation is to be afraid or to get frustrated or to get annoyed at God, whatever it is, um, turn your faith towards that and you speak words of faith. In my opinion, you know, just scripture. Sure. There's so much wonderful stuff in scripture sure. about who God is. Like and, it. And like you do it. that. Your, your shield was also an offensive weapon. I didn't know it that. It wasn't just a defensive weapon. Shields shields can break through lines. They can mm. knock people over. If you lose your sword, you, you can do a whole lot of damage with a shield. Okay. Um, and and so gonna... your faith is very active in this world. Yeah. With which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. What's the helmet all about? Well, obviously the helmet protects your head, which is really important. Because <laughs> um, one even minor wound to your head can take you out of a battle. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're not dead, you can be incapacitated pretty easily with a blow to the head. And so protecting your head, even if you're going on a bicycle, you should wear a helmet. Okay. These days, especially, they let people know that, you know. Um, so protecting your head is a big deal. The The question is, why salvation? Mm-hmm. That which covers your mind is salvation. And again, I think all of these are connected. Yeah. Because this is all one concept Paul's getting trying to get across to us. But I'm going to liken it back to that to that belt of truth and just the the understanding of the knowledge of the fact that I am saved mm. and everything that encompasses that, that is what protects my mind ultimately. That's good. At the end of the day, if I want to protect my mind from the devil, hey, I am saved. And what does that mean? It means a lot of things. Real quickly, it means God chose me, yeah. Nate. He chose Nate. He didn't just choose the whole world. He chose Nate. He picked me out, the whole litter of people. And he said, I'm adopting you, man. You're the one. And he loves me. Mm. The amount and the the boundlessness of that love is crazy and incredible. And now I am not only adopted as a child, but a son and an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Salvation involves so much truth. And if that is guarding our mind, it circumvents a lot that the devil will try to do because he can come in and say, I don't think God has the best for you. And you can be like, ah, no, see, I know that he loves me. I know that for sure. So what you're saying can't be right. Nate, I really like what you're saying here. We got one more. Can you do it? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I got a whole series on this one. Well, I can can believe that because I've seen your sword. I'm going to keep it really short. Yes, I do have a bunch of swords. Um, You got got a minute. A minute. Oh no. Okay. I'm going to go back to something I said, I believe last week where we were talking about how resisting the devil is active and not passive. Mm -hmm. And so our active weapon in resisting the devil is a sword and the sword is the word of God. Yes. And it's a rhema word, not logos word. And so although yes, the uh, scripture is a massive weapon, and it's part of our sword. It's also whatever word God is speaking to us now. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, um, current word, it might be a specific scripture or scripture story, a Bible character, whatever. And we have to actively use that against the enemy, which I believe means we need to speak it out. Again, the devil can't hear our thoughts. And so mm-hmm. we need to say, hey, if the devil's trying to get you afraid, let's say he's intimidating you. Mm-hmm. Everyone in your house is sick, bad reports, children's hospital, it gets worse and worse. Fear, huge temptation there, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to attack. Attack that fear head on and say, hey, God has not given me a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you pray that you let the truth of that sink into your heart and you keep praying it until you're there. Good day. You, you attack the enemy. And again, this is all happening in the mind because that dead self, that zombie who's been following you trying to get at your brains, Mm -hmm. which is what zombies do, you can't give him that space in your head. And so you have to attack it. The only way to kill a zombie, everybody knows, is to destroy its brain. You got to smash it in the head with the with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. 
You got to fight the old thoughts, the thoughts of your old nature. You got to fight those off. The, well, I deserve that. I, I was really, really good. I was awesome this week. I deserve this sin. It's not that bad of a sin. Mm-hmm. Nobody will miss this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. And it's, and it's no big deal. I deserve it anyway. That, that's an old self selfishness kind of thought. That's not yeah. a sanctified yeah. thought. That's, that's not, um, that's not a sort of truth. Yeah. Thing. And so learning to wield the truth does depend on knowing scripture. The better you know scripture, the more adept you're going to be at wielding the sword. And if you want to be some, one of those cool guys from one of the movies, who's an incredible swordsman or a Jedi or whatever it is, if, if you want to do that, you can, but you do need to get into the word. You need to learn how to use that sword. Nate, you did well. You, uh, I wouldn't have been ready for that, but you, uh, you finished it off good. Good. Well, so Paul, I'm going to pray. pray. Yeah, do that. I already decided I was going to, even before you said it. Well, let me encourage you. <laughs> okay, here I go. Father, I thank you that you have supplied us with the weapons the armor that we need to deal with the devil. We thank you that uh, you have taught us something in these weeks about the warfare that we're in. We're not on a picnic, as we've said, we're in a war. And thank you that because of Jesus at the cross, the battle has always already been won, and we're the cleanup campaign. And we bless our friends who are listening in. We pray that you would give them strength to go from victory to victory, because they know who they are, they know who you are, and they put the two together. And we bless your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you guys to maybe pray through that Ephesians 6 passage regularly until you kind of get used to the, the mindset of going into war and of the protections and weapons that the Lord gives you. Eventually, you do that for a while and eventually it just becomes a part of you and it becomes a habit, which is a good habit to get into. So we encourage that. And we'll see you back next week on the Things Christians Want to Know. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday. So tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.